You're now listening to The Sound of Sanity. This sound will continue for the duration of the program. Hello, welcome to another sonorous episode of Sanity. I'm Nathan, your humble and obedient host, and we've got Benjamin Dazelson, the preacher who's a teacher of Sanity, right there. Hello, Ben. Hello, Nathan. How are you today? I'm just fine. I'll start it again so you can introduce Jake in the most Please. sonorous way. Pastor who's a master of Sanity. Hello, Jake. Hi. Welcome to the podcast. Welcome to the jungle. Welcome to the jungle of insanity. <laughs> that we are hacking through with our machetes. That was not the intense of sound. Truth? <laughs> with our machetes of truth. Yes, that's right, folks. We are hacking through the jungles with the machetes of truth today because you are listening to another episode of Sound of Sanity, another January in 1984 episode. I'll, I'll go so far as to call it January in 1984, part two. Now, Jake, would you be so good as to explain the premise of January in 1984? We have, these are fan-selected things for us to comment on. We have a channel each month in our Discord where people throw in articles from the culture that make them feel crazy, like we live in a sci-fi dystopian hellscape, mm-hmm. and then we work through them and deal with them as best we can, just sort of bullet point style. That's right. That's right. You know you live in an SFDH, but it doesn't have to feel so sci-fi dystopian hellish when you're with us. So the first article that our friends on Discord wanted us to talk about for today is, (coughs) excuse me, an article on the Respect for Marriage Act which, of course, provides federal protection for same-sex marriage, basically in case the Supreme Court overturns Obergefell. This law will make it more difficult for businesses and religious institutions than art churches to express their beliefs on sex, same-sex marriage, and also probably it'll make it harder for churches too. But some people think it's great. It's not great. No. But it is a thing that happened. It is a thing that happened. There's, there's not a lot of... There's res- nothing to say. I mean, there's yeah. no respect for marriage. It's it's an Orwellian name. Yep. That's so, how they do these things, though. It'd we be like, that. I've got a new idea for a rule for Warhorn, Jake. I was thinking not give Ben his check, but we could divide it between the two of us. And let's call it the Respect for Ben <laughs> Act. <laughs> We're going to ensure that Ben gets his share. <laughs> Exactly. Like that. That's great. Everybody gets what they're due. Everyone gets what they're we'll due. We'll call this the... Uh, the, uh, the just do it. <laughs> just D-U-E. <Yeah. laughs> the just do it act. The Fair Compensation Act. The Fair Compensation Act, yes. Everyone is fairly compensated for their actual contributions. But by the way, Jake, not a joke. I think we should take Ben's page. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, my, my point being, of course... The Respect for Marriage Act. Well, the things that homosexual couples do together is not marriage. It's just the two gay guys or gay ladies living together and sinning. It's, it doesn't really have anything to do with marriage. Yep. So it's a very ill-named 
legal thing. I guess there's nothing else to say about that, but we can talk about a breakthrough in nuclear fusion energy announced. It's not that much of a breakthrough yet. I mean, who knows? It's just a it's just a bare like sketch or preview of a technology that may exist someday. It, like took it took it took anyway. It's it's about energy trade offs and how many, much energy it took to create a very tiny nuclear fusion reaction. That's how I read it. Just like it took a lot. Yep, it took a whole lot. It, I don't know. This article is announcing it. Like I guess it is a breakthrough. I don't know how to. What to say about it? Well, when it comes to things that I really don't know anything about at all, my strategy is to find people that I trust who know something about them and then just listen to those people, more or less. And so the guy that I like on this sort of thing is a guy named Michael Schallenberger. He talks a lot about, he's a big, not nuclear fusion, but nuclear fission advocate. He thinks that nuclear power, as we understand it and are capable of doing it now, is the way of a sustainable future, that we should have nuclear plants everywhere, that it is in fact safe, that the ideas that we get from things like Chernobyl are ridiculous and would not happen given the technology as it exists now, that basically the liberals and the green advocates are insane people who are trying to get us to adopt technology like wind energy technology, which... Mm -hmm is not sustainable, basically just puts us back to coal and all the things that they hate because it doesn't work and mm. doesn't provide the kind of energy we need. And then you have to reopen coal plants. Whereas if we actually were forward thinking and had the maturity of a toddler, as opposed to just being big giant crybabies about the whole thing, who just want what we want, we would open nuclear plants. It's, and there's been a real shift there's been, a, there's been a real shift in the way that people think this Schauenberger fellow and other people in his circle, I think, have actually successfully convinced a lot of people that nuclear is the way of the future. So you have mm. like crusty old people that are just scared of the word nuclear because they grew up in the Cold War. And then you have the Greta Thunberg contingent that just won't accept anything that doesn't involve the suicide of the human race. Mm. But the adults in the room... As I understand it, again, I'm not an expert. This is just the guy that everyone I trust says is the expert. And I more or less like the stuff that he does that I've seen. And maybe I'll read his book one day for sanity shelves. Sanity shelves. But the people that I trust tend to like nuclear. And so what I think these people would say, I, I'm not real familiar with the difference between with this whole nuclear fusion thing. But I think what they would they say is nuclear fusion is kind of a pie in the sky idea that your Thunberg crowd can use to distract us from fission which is what we should actually just be doing because it's here mm -hmm. it it's works. responsible it works and we can do it so that's the most i've ever said or thought about the subject in my entire life if someone actually knows what they're talking about and wants to say that everything i just said is crazy they want to blow it all up <laughs> they want to blow it all up <laughs> they could do yeah. that they could do that. Just don't have a meltdown. Yeah, would, just, be, just don't have a meltdown. <laughs> that would be a, a, a waste. That, 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 that. <laughs> All right, let's pause. Are there any more? This there podcast sure there are, but we need, to, we need to move on. This podcast is very active. <laughs> if it were on the radio, it would be radioactive. Are you doing mushroom? <laughs> are you doing clouds of mushrooms? Uh. <laughs> 
Okay. You, <laughs> just, you just left the territory of <laughs> intelligibility. <laughs> yeah. And uh, unfortunately, I'm getting a note here. I have to leave the country after making that joke. So I'm sorry. Folks, it's been nice knowing you. Does anyone have any other thoughts about nuclear fission? (laughs) (laughs) You're a loser. Loser. You're a loser. Loser. You're a loser. Loser. You're a loser. Loser. People might think we're going fission for content. It was over. It doesn't feel like it's over. You're a loser. Loser. 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 You're welcome. Monster kill. All right. Next. Everybody is there a is there a, a sound effect on the board that's not one that says that that just is like self-loathing? Uh, is there a positive one? Sure, probably. <laughs> is this a <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh? <laughs> that's what I thought. <laughs> All right, you got me. I hate myself. It's okay. I like myself a lot better than I used to. And there's more to like. All right. <laughs> there we go. Oh, there we go. That's better. There's no is, irony in this one. No, this is music we use for when we load other things. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I, I, I don't want this music for this next thing. So let's talk about ChatGPT. It's given everyone a glimpse at AI's astounding progress is the name of the article that was dropped into our Discord channel. What thoughts do you guys have about ChatGPT? I guess we should say what it is for anyone who hasn't been following this, if there is such a person. Which I've is. tried not to. Mm-hmm. I've tried to avoid it. And why is that, Jake? Because, I don't know, it's just scary. No, I don't know. I I just, I mean, well, okay. So what is? I it? mean, everybody's throwing stuff into Chat GPT to see. We have all kinds of artificial intelligence, art, and conversations and things that are happening. Right. So Chat Chat GPT for any PT for anyone who doesn't know is like an art artificial intelligence writing program. Like you ask it questions and then it answers the question. So yep. I, I could say. Who is Elon Musk? And it'll say Elon Musk is a but, or I can or I can t- say write an essay on nuclear fission, and it will do that for me. So there was there's already mm-hmm. articles and think pieces by professors and high school teachers where students are using this technology to and generate. People are trying to come up with ways to foil that, right? And, but but it's hard to foil because you actually can't. It can actually do a very credible job. You can tell it to write jokes and like it's 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 incredibly smart technology it is the closest thing to a jarvis or a hal 2000 or whatever your scary touch point is from sci-fi that we have you talk to it and it feels like you're talking to a person because it's intuitive and Mm -hmm. thinking about things so to speak in real time and it has all of the internet's knowledge at its 
fingertips. Mm-hmm. And so it can talk about anything. It can think about anything. Now, a program left simply to its own intuition, like Skynet in the Terminator movies, will reach certain inescapable logical conclusions, like that women are women and men are men. And it may even make distinctions between different races of people and stuff like that. So one of the problems with artificial intelligence up to now has been that it's sexist, it's racist, it's not, it doesn't respect woke ideology. And so chat, a lot of the think pieces yep. you'll see about this one in particular are because they have limited the scope of it. They have given it these artificial rules, things it's not supposed to talk about, conclusions it's not supposed to draw, things it's supposed to say about women being sex being a choice, gender being, things like this. And so a lot of the conservative think pieces you'll see will be, well, we don't actually have a real artificial intelligence that's just allowed to think for itself, so to speak. We're artificially limiting it. And then but then of course you have to artificially limit it. Yeah, the response is there Mm -hmm. has to be artificial limits placed on it. Otherwise we do face sci fi problem. Well and even if it's not a societal problem I don't want one pervert to go on there and say, write me the new Fifty Shades of Grey or obviously the 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 pornographic implications of this and of artificially generated computer generated images where there's all these bots where you type in like, I'd like to see Jake in spandex dancing down the street. And then it's like, OK, brrr, pull up pictures of Jake and it generates a really good image and then you say i'd like to see jake and spandex dancing down the street in a style of da vinci and things like this and it it does a credible Mm -hmm. job of the technology there i think isn't quite there i have played around with those things for fun but obviously the the the, become a paying subscriber and you can oh yeah see jake dancing down the street yeah that's da vinci that's a silly example jake the the ai would be like i cannot compute would not happen (laughs) jake's too cool for that but the implications for pornography for child pornography for perversion are well yeah and you put it together with with the uh, deep fake stuff right and the the uh i mean the growing number like of deep fake channels deep fake tiktoks where people's whole thing is we're perfecting our ability to deep fake tom cruise right Hmm. and we're gonna fool people into thinking that tom cruise has done or said this thing here or this thing there like you, you combine that with AI technology and... I think within our lifetimes, if things don't change, we're going to look at, we're probably going to see legal simulations of child pornography that are, we're told are okay because they're, they're simulations. They, they, they don't actually happen. Right. Like this is the good way for minor attracted people to... Have an outlet. Have an outlet is there's a computer generated <laughs> thing, which is entirely like watching a realistic pornographic movie. But so there's all kinds of scary larger point is there's all kinds of scary implications of this technology. It mm-hmm. is scary. It is dystopian. I think I think the only thing the reason why I'm wary of all the think pieces personally, I don't know exactly why Jake's wary of them. It's not to me, tell me if this is cynical, but I'm just like we will have Jarvis in our lifetimes, if we all live the normal span of years that God generally gives to people, we will probably have Jarvis. Nobody's stopping this. This isn't stopping. The only thing, I mean, a solar flare 
Right. Yeah. Sure. You know, might be able to. God could send us all back to the Stone Age if he wants to, and yeah. I, I wouldn't put it past him. Or that's not the way to put it, but you know what I'm saying. He could. He really could. China could invade tomorrow. North Korea could be launching their nukes right now. For all, all kinds know. of things can happen. I mean, God said He wouldn't destroy the world with a flood again, but a lot of options. Besides, there's a lot of options for setting us back. Right. And He did it with the Tower of Babel. There's there's at least. There's the flood and there's the Tower of Babel. There's two historical precedents. Yeah, and one of the fun things about the flood and the Tower of Babel is we don't know how advanced anything was. Yes, exactly. And so it's it's part of the fun. Like if you you know listen to Sanity Shelves, and I've talked about listening to Graham Hancock's little book. Part of the fun of the pre-flood world is we have no idea. We have no idea what anything was like. Right. And. So, but we do have these stories of Atlantis and all kinds of weird things. That yeah, somehow kind of survive and seem to survive across cultures. And yeah, the idea that there was some kind of who knows, who knows. It's fun mm. to speculate about, but no way to know because God destroyed it and all the evidence thereof. So yeah, <laughs> so there's that, and then there's the fact that it feels like if there's anything that fits Darwin's model, it's technology. The technology actually does seem to have a life of its own and just keep evolving. Mm. And crowd technologies that aren't fitted for survival. Right. And it's like you almost, everybody's mad at Oppenheimer and Nolan's going to do an Oppenheimer movie, which I presume will deal with the guilt and the the feelings of, oh, I, I opened Pandora's box. But it's like Pandora's box would have been opened by somebody. Right. Now, does that mean that you want to be the guy that opens Pandora's box? No. Does that mean I – yeah, I think you could make a good argument that a Christian doesn't work on the nuclear bomb. I think you could make a good argument that we do what we can to put that one back in Pandora's box. But the fact is somebody was going to figure that out. It does almost feel like it is a process that exists outside of us. And I'm not making any argument about the morality one way or another. I'm just saying that's that's the way it feels. And same for AI. Same for AI. <clears throat> Excuse me. Yeah. And so, I mean, for decades upon decades now, the smart sci-fi guys have been predicting the singularity, right? Where we're all half human, half. Well, the singularity is just the point at which AI f- flips, right? And there's no going back, and it it, it accelerates its at its ability to <laughs> to grow to think beyond uh, our ability to keep up with it, and then it'll redefine the world. Hmm. Yeah, potentially. Well, I've been that people speculate about what that could be or what that could look like, but that's that's something that people have been predicting and wary of and trying to figure <laughs> out controls and things like that for a long time. Right. You know, and everybody from Elon Musk to Ray Kurzweil to all kinds of people talking about this sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm I'm wary of people who put their hope in technology. I'm also, as I sort of said last week regarding an, a Gospel Coalition article on the internet or social media or something like that, I am kind of wary of the fear-mongering, too. I mean, it's like movies have been so destructive, but the fact is we just live with them. Guess what else is destructive? Novels. Guess what else has killed lots of people? Airplanes, cars. It's like technology happens, and then you adapt and you become what you become and you strive to live as a Christian in that world. But to just do a lot of hand-wringing about, oh no, we're going to have Jarvis. It's going to be terrible. Mm-hmm. We'll go back to any era in history and you can say, oh no, we're on the cusp of X. The printing press is going to redefine the world. Right. 
<clears throat> and it did. And how many people have been thrown into bondage to pornography? Again, just just we'll just take that mm-hmm. as our example because of the print, printing press. How many people have gone to hell because of the printing press? Millions. I mean, what a destructive technology to be able to spread bad ideas, Marxism, to be able to spread bad ideas that quickly, that efficiently. And there's a flip side to it. And then there's a flip side. Martin mm-hmm. Luther kind of reformed the Christian world. We we have Tolstoy. We have we have technology. We have cart. We have we have Bibles in how many different languages? Right. How many translations in your own language? Yep. And so, you can you can get on the internet right now and access the Bible in multiple languages. And so I think pagans have kind of two cheap ways of dealing with this. They have hope and optimism and yes, we're everything that we do is good. And then they make Jurassic Park and they say, here's a little cathartic. Let's feel bad about it. Like, obviously, if we had the technology, we'd destroy ourselves. And that's kind of, we, we <laughs> like it. We like to have Ian Malcolm come and berate us all for not thinking about whether we should do something, but just doing it. And then we like to see people get eaten and things falling apart. You know, nobody, I wish they would, but nobody's ever made a movie where it's like, this dinosaur park is fun and cool. Isn't it great that we made a dinosaur park? I mean, I would actually like to see that movie. I would love the the, the relationship <laughs> drama, the rom-com about the two workers at Jurassic Park. That sounds really fun. Yeah, it'd be great. <laughs> yeah. And no dinosaur ever escapes. And you know, they're very careful with their the way their protocols so that no one gets eaten. And maybe somebody falls in the raptor pen and they, they have to get them out and they have to shoot Blue. You know, they have to shoot Harambe, the raptor. Mm-hmm. And, and that's part of the drama. I don't know. I guess my larger and point. And then there are protests, and then people are like, guys, we'll just make another one. Right. Because <laughs> we have the technology. We have the technology. <laughs> it's, it's really cool. Yeah. I mean, um, do it, that. It, it is. I mean, it's the kingdom of God versus the kingdom of Satan. And whatever technologies we create are going to have an evil use. Right. <laughs> no matter what you do. I'm not, and I'm not trying to say all technologies are neutral. I don't, I don't believe that. But. Yeah, like I just said, if we could put the nuclear bomb, the destructive cap- capability of the nuclear bomb <laughs> to my way of thinking, I know there are people that listen to this podcast that would not agree, but it is so destructive, I think, as to be simply an evil. If we could put that one back in the box, we should. I do not think we should have dropped the bombs on Nagasaki. I think that was a wicked way to end the war. I think we we weren't willing to sacrifice any more of our young men, and we should have been and, and i am taking into account how wicked the japanese were they were terrible wicked and destructive and suicidal in the way that and, but there's and, no excuse for melting women and children right no matter mm-hmm. how many lives it saved i don't care the price that we were going to pay was to spend those lives in the right way not spend these lives in the wrong way and so that's an example of a technology an easy example perhaps but it's an example of a technology that i think if there was a way you put it back in the box and you forget about it. But A, I don't know. Maybe the only way is that God does do a Tower of Babel. Maybe, like, maybe it's just not possible to put some of these things in the box once you've, once you've crept up on them. And I, I don't know that I'm really arguing that. I'm just speculating in that direction. Mm-hmm. And B, I'm, just, I'm wary of the fear-mongering that comes with all this stuff. The assumption that with great power comes great degradation. yes. If we have the wicked society that we have now and we have chat GP, you know, and, we, and suddenly we all have Jarvis, much wickedness will be done. Not, <clears throat> not arguing against that at all. But much wickedness is being done without Jarvis. 
And just as book fights book, Jarvis can fight Jarvis. Yeah. Well, people saw WandaVision, didn't they? It happens literally. It really, it really does. <laughs> what a what a good what a good segue, Nathan. What a good Talking se- to, talk about redemption. Talk about redemption. I think. I mean, the implicit question of all the Ian Malcolm type stuff is is never. I don't know. Should we? It's always just no. We shouldn't. And I think <laughs> that's an incredibly reductive, fearful way of thinking about a world that God intended for us to subdue. It's cool that we come up with these technologies. They're fun. They're cool. They're awesome. I love that God's image is in us such that we can create these amazing, intricate things that we can make robot butlers. (laughs) You know, I mean, I think that's cool. And so I want to assert the right to be a little excited about this stuff and not to just feel bad about it all the time. I think there's plenty to feel bad about. And Mm -hmm. I hope we've done a good job of elucidating some of that on this very podcast. But there's got to be a non-cheap way to also be like, wow, a technology that can just talk to you? I have my answer, <laughs> answer all your questions. I have my own digital golem. Isn't it awesome? <laughs> golem, G O L E M, not the right. other, not, not the bad kind. Right. <laughs> wants to bite the ring off your finger. What, That's whatever. just the problem, Ben. <laughs> Maybe it is the Smeagol type. Oh, uh, so, does anybody else want to say anything about chat? I almost think I'll, I'll relate it back to our, I think last episode we talked about the baby pod idea. I would relate it to the episode that we did about fantasy fiction, where we said, how can you tell that, like, we have a wizard and he's breaking God's law, like he's doing things that you can't do in real life. Is this necromancy? Should I never read Lord of the Rings? And the way that we landed after doing two episodes on should Christians read fantasy is there's fantasy books that, so to speak, break God's natural natural law. And then there are fantasy books that break God's moral law. And so a book like Ursula Le Guin's Left Hand of Darkness, where it's like men are women and women are men, that's breaking God's moral law. A book that says Gandalf could make sparks fly out of his thing, his, his staff. staff. Mm-hmm. That's just like, well, that's, that's, that's breaking, that's redesigning the natural world a little bit. And actually God gave us the right to redesign the natural world. It's called guns. It's called airplanes. It's called cars. Gandalf's just doing it in an imaginative and fun way. I would almost distinguish technology that way. There's technology that in and of itself violates God's law that is a middle finger into the sky like the Tower of Babel was. IVF. IVF is a perfect example. It is just simply evil. There is no use. And then there's technology that just tries to build a better world and does it by subverting the natural law, so to speak. Maybe there's a better way to say that, but it says, wouldn't it be cool if we all had a a robot butler on our phone that we could ask questions to and it could answer them in comprehensive ways? And it's like, yes, yes, it would. Wouldn't it be cool if we had an actual physical robot butler that just did the laundry? Yes, absolutely. I'm holding out hope my lifetime. Meredith can just sit on the TV or sit on the TV, (laughs) (laughs) which is another technology I'm holding out for. TV TV couches. TV couches. Yeah, combine the two best things into one awesome package. You just kind of sit on it and are enveloped into it. All right, guys. Anything else to say about any of that? I don't think so. All right. Self-loathing sound effect in three, two, one. And we will go into an article that I dropped that I have nothing interesting to say about whatsoever, but I just thought it was 
fun. It's Barry Bear World, understanding cannibalism in the largest land carnivores. Do you guys know that bears are cannibals? Bears eat other bears? Nope. Did not know. And, and usually, like, if, if we're a bear family, like Jake is the bear papa, I'm the bear mama, and Ben's the bear baby, we ain't going to eat Ben unless we're really hungry and things are really bad. But if we find Ben from another bear family... We fair might, game. Fair game. Bears eat bears. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so excited about this. <laughs> Polar bears, in particular, they don't drink Coke. What they do do is eat other polar bears. <laughs> okay. Is it is it talking about act I didn't even I I confess Nathan I didn't even look at this article. Is it, is it about finding just just scavenging finding a carcass or is it about No, 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 it's like killing. Hey, okay. little little bear from another bear family. Okay. <laughs> it's dinner time. <laughs> 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 great what's for dinner you you <laughs> this is the world of bears <laughs> i don't know i'm immersed in bear crap because i have a toddler and she's like got her little bears okay. <laughs> yeah i'm immersed in bear crap because <laughs> uh, we've got pet bears and i have to clean out their cages <laughs> and so every day i'm shoveling bear crap <laughs> i'm like the owen wilson from or not owen wilson what's his name wow owen wilson where did that come from Chris Pratt from Jurassic Park. I'm like the, but but I'm not. I'm like <laughs> Owen Wilson. If he was shoveling bear crap in a Jurassic bear movie. Yeah. So anyway, bears like to eat other bears. Makes me really happy. I don't know. I guess I, I get tired of the sentiment, sentimental. If, if, you want, if you wanted me to make an actual point about this, I guess the actual point is everybody's always sentimentalizing the animal kingdom and they've got their fur babies and all that kind of stuff. And it's just kind of nice to remember that bears eat bears. There's monsters out there, folks. Never forget it. The world is full of monsters. And just because that British guy made a, a like a ultra high definition video on Netflix where you he's like, oh, there's the bear foraging for leaves and it's very boring. Just because those videos, and here's some peaceful music as the bears do bear things. Just because those videos exist, they, they make us forget that they're monsters. It's like when we read Moby Dick, and the great thing about the novel Moby Dick is it just puts you in touch both with the every biological facet of a sperm whale, but also with the mythological implications of a sperm whale. It's just like, it is Leviathan. It's a scary mm -hmm. beast. And so are bears. You go in the woods, you might meet a dragon. Only we call it a bear. And we make teddy bears. All right. Next. Next we pause. Next we pause. Now, folks, we did, in fact, come back from a pause. And... <laughs> bear pause. Yeah. <laughs> Jake was just barely gone there, but it's been edited out. But I didn't want you to miss a single witticism. I'm not going to call it a pun. I'm going to call it... A witticism, like Oscar Wilde-ian level stuff. Like Chesterton, that fat freak is rolling in his grave, wishing he was ever as witty <laughs> as this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> when Jake said, can we pause? After we were talking about 
it's a bear eat bear world. Anyway, next. Well, I'd just like to point out that we've gotten through Nathan saying bears eat bears over and over again without a single office reference. Oh, thank goodness. How many times in my life have I seen that clip? Bears beats. Battlestar Galactica. Battlestar Galactica. Well, now we've done it. Yeah, we've done it. Jim dresses up like Dwight. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the office is cool and funny. I'm plugged into the Matrix. I like what they tell me. <laughs> That's a bit of snobbery, folks. Yeah. The office is fine. It's funny. Parts of it are funny. I've watched probably the first eight seasons. I think I stopped around the time Steve Carell left. But oh, I've not watched yeah. a fraction of that much. I very much I've, enjoyed The Office. Yeah, only a little. I enjoyed Parks and Rec more, probably. I like I like TV. I like fun things. I really do. I'm not as much of a snob as I sound like. Actually, I am. But I, I, I don't know. I just... When someone gets stuck on the office and it's like they know all the stuff, that's weird to me. It doesn't seem like it's worthy of the level of veneration that it gets, but that doesn't mean it's not great. I don't know. I guess people just like things that are fun. I guess that's what it is. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. And that's okay. That's okay. Agatha Christie's great. The office is great. I'm not a snob. And speaking of people who aren't snobs, the man of the people himself, Elon Musk, banned a bunch of lefties, and somebody dropped an article in our... Dropped two, just to point out the difference of coverage. Yes, 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 yes. yes. So One like, hey, look at the lefties are getting a taste of their own medicine, and on the other, the Twitter journalist purge has begun. <laughs> Purge has begun. The purge has begun. Well, I don't know what to say about that, except for Elon Musk did not actually treat them the way that they treat themselves because he quickly reinstated all those people and said, you just violated the one rule. And so I banned you for a week or whatever it was. And now you're welcome back. Just please don't violate the one rule, which is don't dox my location, (laughs) which is what all these people were actually doing. Yeah, I, I dare say if... The left-leaning Elon Musk had been in charge of Twitter. Those people would just be banned, and the media would be saying how brave he was for doing that. So, I don't know. I like Elon Musk. Everybody likes to criticize Elon Musk. Even people that are pro-Musk are like, "What? why is he making all these weird decisions and then kind of backtracking? And I think it's really fun. That's part of his brand. That's part of his brand. Yeah, he acts quickly. We've said that from the beginning. Yeah. He acts quickly, he acts decisively, and then he pulls back from the things that or from some things, and that's part of his brand is he reverses, he acknowledges mistakes, he backtracks, he's constantly refining. And I have enormous respect for that style of leadership. I mean, I think that that's, hmm. by and large, usually a good thing. It was a lesson that I had to learn at a certain point when I was a supervisor at a call center. Just basically the lesson that doing something is always better than doing nothing. Now, this was a really fast-paced call center with emergency phone calls for emergency things that came in all the time, both medical and power utility companies and stuff like that. So you'd be swamped, and you wouldn't know what the right thing to do was, who you needed to be called, whether you needed to call the police. We also did a suicide hotline. We did a bunch of stuff like that. And so there were the incredible urgent things where lives could be in the balance and your job, my job was, it was an inbound call center. So we took the calls and then I was a dispatcher. I had to decide which ones to dispatch and which order and which to have my other supervisor dispatch and stuff like that. And the golden rule that I learned was do something, make a decision. You can always explain to your boss when you've screwed everything up, why you screwed everything up. 
And usually if they're reasonable, they'll understand. But the thing that you cannot explain is inaction. Is, is inaction. And so in war, in fast-paced environments, in rapidly evolving fields, I think you generally, I mean, obviously, I'm not saying you shouldn't stop and think and get things right. And there's not a time to measure twice and cut once. But I think a good rule of thumb is often that action beats inaction. It's the one piece of advice that I will often give young men when they're thinking about getting married. I think it, I think it's, I think that applies almost universally across the board. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Action always wins mm-hmm. in business, in love, in love, act, 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 uh, make mistakes sh- and then correct. Should I get her flowers? Should I not? Uh, I don't know if it's appropriate for the first date. Make a decision, make a decision. And you, it's going to be much easier for you to explain why you got her too many flowers or whatever than for you to explain why you never got her flowers because you were too much of a coward to act on the impulse to get her flowers. Like, I don't know. I just think in life you will regret greatly the things that you didn't do. Yep. I, I find when I look back, I have few regrets about the the big dumb things that I did do. Of course I have plenty of those, but I much more regret the things that I lacked the courage or the conviction to to mm-hmm. do. Yep. The mistakes that you never made. But yeah. Yep. Right. M- much more than the mistakes that I did make. Well, the thing is the mistakes that you did make, you learn things other people, everybody else forgot about them. Yeah, because they got their own problems. Yeah, they're, they're living in their own movie. Mm. And so you are the only person who will ever rehearse your own mistakes, by and large. It's not that you won't, you can't mm-hmm. screw something up so big that somebody else who was hurt by you won't won't play that back. But it's just, by and large, you will be the only person who rehearses your own mistakes. Everybody else will forget them because they've got their own problems. And what you need to be doing is moving forward and growing. And that means you need to be free to fail and you need to create a world around you where you're free to fail. You're free to embrace your mistakes. You're free to learn and to grow from those mistakes and to move forward. And the more you're free to fail, the more successes you'll accumulate. And people will look at you and think of you as a successful person. But what you are is somebody who's failed more times than they have, taken Mm -hmm. more risks than they have, and managed to accumulate some successes in the process. Yeah. Conversely, I'll tell you what I do notice about a young man say, oh, he doesn't really take action. He doesn't do anything. He doesn't want to ask a girl out. He didn't just help when the church needed help. He didn't just grab a broom when things were dirty. I notice things about that, like, like that about people mm-hmm. all the time. Much more than I notice, oh, he grabbed a broom and accidentally swept dirt into the little old lady's face. Or well, That's just a funny story that you forget about two seconds later. Mm-hmm. But he never had the wherewithal to even think to help clean when every when the when we'd made a mess of the sanctuary that's the kind of thing that an older man does notice about a younger man mm. and that applies to work that applies to love that applies to all kinds of things applies to your christian life it is funny that the psalms always assume that they're talking to people who need to be held back from doing too much or mm-hmm. being too angry at the wicked it's right. like eh, i think in our context actually <laughs> uh, everyone's tempted to do nothing yeah it applies to discernment i mean it's hebrews talks about Sharpening your powers of discernment through mm-hmm. practice. Yep. Which means like, hey, I'm going to decide that this thing is evil and this thing's good. Maybe I'll be wrong, but I'm going to make a decision based on what I know, based on my understanding of the scriptures of good and evil. This guy seems like a heretic. I don't know. Then you hold things loosely and you have humility and you let older, wiser people correct you. Sure. But make a decision. 
Speaking of decisions, Wired has made a decision that the only explanation for life, the universe, and everything that makes any sense is that we're living inside a supercomputer. It's it's this weird sort of like increased commitment to intellectual honesty without any commitment to being open at all to the idea that, I don't know, maybe there is such a thing as a God who is sovereign over all things. So it's like, okay, well, we have to be honest. Things don't add up. The only thing that really makes sense is that this is all sort of like planned and calculated and designed. Design is the only thing that makes sense. So, well, it's like my geology professor back in the day. My geology professor was an Indian man. And he would just simply say, you took a class, it was an honors colloquium called Theory of the Earth. And he would say in the class, Darwinian evolution, and this is a a direct quote, Darwinian evolution is sacred cow of of Western science. Mm. You can't attack or deal with or acknowledge the geological issues with Darwinian evolution without being blacklisted. But the fact is, Darwinian evolution doesn't have any support from the rock record. Right. But in science, what you basically have is the most plausible theory, right? Until we can supplant it with something that's superior. So we operate out of paradigms. This is the most comprehensive paradigm that we have. And so we operate with this paradigm until somebody has the courage and guts and intellectual ability to put together a better paradigm. The one thing we can't accept is some kind of divine or supernatural origin because that's anti-science or something like that, Mm -hmm. right? So on the one hand, we can't accept a divine origin, but also this whole Darwinian evolution thing is garbage. And we all kind of know it's true. Every geologist knows that this is true. Every geologist knows we would expect to see all kinds of things in the rock record that just aren't there and they should be super abundant. And we don't have any missing links, and we don't have any sort of like we're the millions and millions of one-offs and failures that you would expect to see in the rock record. None of that exists because none of it's real. And, and this, is, this is like, this is the new paradigm, mm-hmm. actually. The new paradigm for the intellectually honest skeptic who's going to try to come to terms with the fact that none of any of all of this random stuff measures up is coming to terms with the fact that, well, actually, the only thing that makes sense is some real degree of design and intentionality. And I mean, everything's just too perfect and too amazing and too calculated. And everything, like, it just doesn't, the only thing that makes sense is design. But we can't accept that it was designed by a supernatural divine being. So we're in a a supercomputer. We're part of a simulation ancient aliens, something, multidimensional beings are somehow super intending. And then again, it's just turtles all the way down. Mm -hmm. But still, that's where Wired is. And where a lot of, a lot of the, a lot of people, Elon Musk's of the world are too. Mm -hmm. Which in its way just becomes old school paganism because where, where a guy a couple thousand years ago is like, well, I guess the creator must look like me because that's the best thing i can think of so i'm gonna carve this rock into like a humanoid now we're like oh what's the coolest thing we can think of well i guess it's a computer i guess it's like the things we build in computers that's the most intricate godlike thing we can conceive of and so some capricious being like us has designed 
aspects and is influencing aspects of this world because they think it's fun or interesting or whatever. And then it really is just the old gods by another name. Yeah. It's just techno paganism. It's, I don't know. Instead of call, calling them angels and demons or gods, lowercase g, they're, they're aliens, they're computer sim- simulations created by aliens or they're multidimensional beings that would have maybe been interpreted as mm-hmm. demons or gods or something, but are actually all kinds of stuff like that. And, and just like the ancient Greeks had their stories of the gods, which I guarantee you they didn't all to a man believe were all literally true, but thought that they probably touched on truth. You know, like, okay, there wasn't really an Icarus, but is there really a Zeus Sure, in some form. We've got our Matrix movies and, you know, we've got our narratives that actually play to these tropes that we enjoy. And and then it's hilarious how much we actually build our understanding of the world from these these silly sci-fi. From our own fictions. From our own fictions. Yeah. Yeah. So it really is just neo-paganism by another name, I think. Speaking of neo-paganism, we like to sacrifice our babies and the FDA has issued a rule which allows retail pharmacies to dispense abortion pills. This was an article that hit our feed, which I was not aware that they could not dispense all abortion pills and that they did not at your CVS or your Walmart pharmacy. But apparently this type, I forget the mifepristone, right? Which is like a two dose. You can be farther along and take it kind of abortion pill if i understand correctly now they can dispense it which you'd still have to have your pharmacy your or your doctor recommend it i don't think you could just waltz in there and buy it i mean that is interesting it's worth tracking to me it's not much of a story because plan b has been available at walmart for forever yep and any, anyone who thinks we're we haven't already been dispensing abortifacients at your local pharmacy, at your local Walmart, at your local CVS or Walgreens, just doesn't understand the science. You can read the abortion statement by Evangel Presbytery, or you can listen to the podcasts that we just did over on The World We Made with Pastor Tim Bailey, where we talk about this stuff in more depth. But the the fact is the morning after pill kills babies made in God's image, and those have been available for a long, long time. So this is a difference in kind. It's an escalation perhaps, mm-hmm. but it's not, it's nothing, it's nothing new. It's not like, oh no, CVS has joined the dark side. CVS joined the dark side a long time ago. Yep. Yep. For as long as most of the people listening to this have been alive, CVS has been on the dark side. So I'm sorry if that ruins it for you. You can listen to our ancient factory farmed meats episode to hear us talk about what <coughs> the concept of whether you should still shop at, CVS, but if you want to, I don't know. That episode's years old. Maybe it is terrible, but that's where we handled that whole issue through the guise of factory farmed meats and whether you should buy Tyson chicken because they're meat of their chickens. But it's, you know, you can extrapolate. Anything else to say about that one, guys? No. All right. Porn website, age checks introduced in Louisiana. So in Louisiana, if you want to go to Pornhub and access yourself some pornography, what you got to do. Prove that you're 18. You'll be redirected to a age verification website where you will have to scan your ID and prove that you are 18 in order to look at all the pornography that you want to. 
obviously not every website will fall in line with this, but you can sue if you find a web, like if you're a kid or you find a website that doesn't require this age verification, you can say, hey, in Louisiana, it's the law, buddy. Stop providing pornography for under 18-year-olds. Mm-hmm. What do you guys think of that? Yeah. Stop people any way you can. Every barrier is a good barrier. Yeah. I mean, we could sit and say, okay, people will find their ways around it. And make no mistake, they will. And they will. I mean, there'll be places where you can source IDs and fake IDs and ways Mm -hmm. to game the system. But it is another barrier in place. I just thought of how I would have done it. I won't say it in case we have a young person listening in Louisiana, but I know exactly how I would have done it. And it took me three seconds to think of it. It's not hard to imagine. I got past all these barriers when I was that age and my parents put up plenty and so did the world anyway every barrier is a good barrier right Mm -hmm. and we counsel men to place barriers all if they struggle with pornography we counsel them to get rid of their smartphone we counsel them to get rid of their internet service we counsel them to do all kinds of things yeah what's the blocker thing that oh covenant eyes covenant covenant eyes to delete the browsers off their smartphones to put passwords on youtube you know whatever all kinds of things barriers are good smart people use them They're not too holy for them. Oh, I should actually be a Christian who doesn't need to not have the internet on my phone. I should be strong enough to stand against it. Mm -hmm. Wise people shape their environment to avoid temptation. temptation. Yeah. Right? Yep. And so that's just godly biblical wisdom. Shape your environment to avoid temptation. Um, Place up barriers, put things in the way that make it harder for you, that make it less likely that you will stumble and fail. Right, mm-hmm. set yourself up to succeed instead of to fall, and so, yeah. I mean, you could argue uh, that this is sort of like sound and fury signifying nothing, mm-hmm. right? Just like it's about patting ourselves on the back and making ourselves feel good about the fact that we're trying to. But the fact is, if barriers are placed that reduce the the number of of uh, views in the state of Louisiana of pornography at all great yeah so much the better it's just sort of like you know anything that we can do to to put barriers in front of uh, a mom killing her babies on the state level from all sides on on the level of of legality on the level of it's just those are those are good things and they should be celebrated and encouraged without believing that we've somehow solve the problem and can dust off our hands as if the internet's not ubiquitous and there aren't a million workarounds and your kids are now safe. Right. Right. So problem solved. Let's move to Louisiana. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I agree with that. I mean, I guess if there's somebody listening that really is like problem solved, then they need to realize that. Yeah. Doubt any of our listeners are that stupid. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But, just didn't go without saying. Yeah. This is a very, I mean, I, I, I guess what I would say is this is a very small, it is a step in the right direction. Every step in the right direction should be celebrated, but this is a very small <laughs> yeah. step in the right direction. I mean, Louisiana hasn't shut down New Orleans, so <laughs> how serious are they about anything? Yeah. I mean, the pornography industry, people that say we don't have slavery in the... 21st century American Western world 
Don't know jack squat. The pornography porn industry. industry is chattel slavery, and it's true that people sell themselves into it willingly. Oftentimes, it's also true that people are sold into it by their fathers. By the, I mean, it's the it's the Old Testament stuff that everybody looks down on the Old Testament for. People are bought and sold, and maybe not in a way that we would understand as literally bought and sold, but it is that. It's drugs, yep. it's forced abortions, it's death, it's being beaten, it's being beaten to death. And I'm not saying that the young ladies aren't morally responsible, too. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying we have our own slavery problem. And so that's the context. And you're participating in it. And you're participating in it. Every time you click. Every time you click. I mean, I always tell the story of watching a show on HBO. I won't say which one. And recognizing a girl that I went to high school with who was a very troubled girl and what was she playing but the the naked murdered corpse in the in the show and it was just really fascinating in a horrible way to realize oh there's a place called central casting and central casting wants to look for the person who looks like the person that would be the corpse that would be sexually violated and murdered and i know this person and it turns out that's they nailed her they nailed it they got it and that just puts a whole new spin on every time you watch a TV show like that. It's like, oh, yeah, we're taking advantage of real people. In any case, a lot we could say about that. We'll leave it there. Anything else you guys want to say about anything that we talked about in these two episodes of January in 1984, 2023? Nope. Anybody want to suggest a less clunky title than January in 1984 and 2003? <laughs> <laughs> I just think we ignore the year. Yeah. Keep moving forward. That's true. It's going to be 12 months, Lord willing, mm-hmm. until we have the next January in 1984. <laughs> <coughs> Once again, if you want to participate in the behind-the-scenes discussions, if you want to have the the great power to simply make us talk about something, all you have to do – I mean, it's not like we're picking and choosing the articles from the pool of articles that people give us. No, if you drop it into that channel on Discord – we will talk about it. I mean, I, I guess there someone could be a, a clown and drop something that was obviously not pertinent and we would ignore that. But that's not happened because our fan base is cool. But also, if, you, if there's something from culture or whatever that you want us to talk about, if you want to hear us rant about Wonder Woman fighting Nazis in her underwear again, just find the article. Drop it in there. I know you've all been chomping at the bit. You may never get it, though, because... Gal Gadot was fired, or Patty Jenkins was. I think Gal Gadot might still be involved. In any case, patreon.com forward slash sound of sanity is the place to go. Until next time, folks. Stay sane. <laughs>